Hello, hello, hello. I'm Aaliyah, and this is Netflix, Coffee, and Questioning Humanity. In this very first episode, I will be talking about some hidden gems that I have found on Netflix. And in the process, I'll be sprinkling in a little bit about myself. Just a friendly reminder, though, that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Now, on with the show. So obviously, like everyone else, I've been in quarantine, um, not really doing much, just kind of staying in my house. But you know what else is new? Um, And not only eating my life away, but also kind of stepping out of my comfort zone when it comes to shows and television um, and movies. And (laughs) my comfort zone is like maybe four shows and a handful of movies that I just keep on rotation because I'm strange like that. I'm so glad that I stepped out of my comfort zone because I found some awesome titles, can't even lie. And also I found this super awesome trick, which I'm sure everyone's like, yeah, dummy, everyone knows that. I didn't realize that you could like search hidden gems, like that actual phrase and hidden gem movies would come up. That's not something I learned till like after I found all of these. Or maybe I think there was like one or two that I found under that subgenre search. And it's not even just hidden gems. You can search the most random shit. You can go on Pinterest and look up Netflix hidden titles, kind of like a Starbucks secret menu. Speaking of Starbucks, a little coffee cup side note here. Today, I am heavily caffeinated drinking my boring, regular, schmegula Starbucks order. I am drinking a venti ice white mocha with light ice. I feel like I need to rant about this a little bit. Ice is propaganda. That's, I'm going to say it straight up. Ice is propaganda. And let me explain myself. First, I want to say and make it clear. I know this particular, particular, particular. I, I don't know how to say that word properly. I am from New England. I don't have this harsh, intense, like Boston accent. I really don't. But for some reason with the word particular, I sound like I've just crawled out of fucking Fenway. So I don't know what's going on with that. This drink in particular does come out warm. It's a latte. I get it. Lattes are warm. Like they they need some ice. They got to cool off a little bit. I get that. But someone, please, please inform me. Why do you need six pounds of fucking ice in your fountain drink that already comes out cold? Why? Why do you need it? To keep it cold? No, that ice begins melting almost immediately. And immediately it also starts watering down your cold drink. So like, what is it? They offer ice to skimp on product and it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Fuck ice. I don't, I don't care about ice. It's bullshit unless you enjoy that nasty watered down Coke that tastes like piss. I've completely diverted from the subject at hand. So I do apologize. All right, we're just going to move right along into the hidden gems on Netflix and no worries. I'm not going to be talking any spoilers. I can't believe you've never skated. I've been six feet tall since I was 12 years old. Not once have I thought, ooh, let me put some wheels on this. (laughs)
the incredible Jessica James. When I stumbled upon this film, I was like, why, why haven't I seen this yet? Do you ever feel that way when you're like, okay, but where was this my whole life? The star of the show is obviously Jessica Williams, who plays Jessica James. And she's like, she's been in a bunch of shit. She's been in Girls, Hot Tub Time Machine 2. She was also in Fantastic Beasts, but you probably know her as the co-host of Two Dope Queens, which I highly recommend. It comes as no surprise to anyone that's ever seen her in anything else, especially I know she works as like a key, uh, what's it called? A senior correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. So it's no surprise that her comedic timing is gold. I feel like she does something for me personally that really speaks to how talented she is as an actress. She brings such a vulnerability and relatability and like this emotional depth while being funny. Like she's just vulnerable and funny. I love that. It's just kind of like you're not so typical rom-com, but it also has a lot of the same beats that we love in a rom-com. So it's not too far out there. So Jessica just gets out of this long-term relationship and she's also an aspiring playwright in New York. So she's like navigating the dating scene, which you find out pretty on is (laughs) not going so well. And it's the funniest shit right off the bat. The first scene is such a real scene. Like you could really imagining it happening. If not to you or you are the one conducting it, you could see this in an Applebee's. She ends up running into this guy, Boone, who's played by, uh, what's his name? Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids. It's, you got the ugly carrot. You know him from Bridesmaids. He's hilarious. I don't know what else he's in, but he's very funny. So Boone and Jessica, they spark this uh, interesting relationship, I guess you could say. And you're just going to have to watch to see how that blossoms and, and why it's so bizarre. I will say my favorite part of this film, it was definitely the ending, just the principle of it. It it just, it hits the feels in the most refreshing way. I love real world, real life endings and not even sad, depressing ones. Like you can make it positive. It's like a grown up's treehouse, really, isn't it? I think a complex site, steeply sloping with a view in the trees, for me personally, is perfect. My next hidden gem on Netflix is World's Most Extraordinary Homes. Can we talk about Caroline and Piers, arguably the most comforting voices on the planet? And the vocabulary these two have, I I really don't think they've ever used the same adjective twice to describe a home. They just pluck these random ass like adjectives out of the air, like these ethereal, delicious adjectives that would describe like food or sex to explain these houses and I just I find it very very nice I loved it so this duo they're traveling the world finding these unbelievable homes but also sprinkle in like some romantic history about the area that it's located in and then suddenly you find yourself googling what's it like living in Norway then you immediately see 12 foot high snow piles on the side of the road and say nah dog that's a no from me they get super into the architectural is that a word we will say it's a word you get what I'm saying or the aspects of the structure they they really touch on the cultural elements that play into the design which for me is always fascinating because I don't always think that way like why someone built a house with this type of wood or I don't know I'm not into architecture like that but this is such a soothing show my favorite episode is i'm not again like the visual aspect is the spoiler right so i'm not giving anything too much away but it's the episode in norway where it's a massive fucking treehouse on steroids it's insane they had to take fucking airlifts to build part of this house 
because of the terrain slash location. Yeah, airlifts. You heard that correctly. Airlifts. These houses are just nutty. And me being a strange human being, the first thing that comes into my mind is like, okay, like, what about the groceries? I probably have the easiest grocery run ever. Uh, maybe an eight minute drive to the Target or the Target. Two seconds to get inside my house. No stairs, no hills, no helicopter lift to get me from my door to the ground, to my vehicle, then to the drive, to the middle of bumfuck nowhere, to the grocery store. Pack up the groceries in the car, transfer them to the helicopter, fly up to my treehouse in the sky, climb over God only knows what terrain with a fucking 12 pack of Diet Coke and 19 other bags filled with God only knows what, just cutting off the circulation in your forearm to your fingers because in no way in hell are you taking more than one trip up to the fucking treehouse in the sky. Also those windows, who in the hell are cleaning those windows? Overall, aside from these, you know, mundane questions that I have about living in these beautiful homes, it's a really chill, relaxing show while you clean or take a nap. It's just, it's really lighthearted and it's a nice binge watch. Do you not know what it would be like to be with me? Never took you for the dot that cares much what people think. I can't both. And that might make me a coward. It does. Dumplin'. Oh my god, I love this movie. I thought everyone knew about this, honestly. And then when I brought it up to my friends, they were like, what What are you talking about? What movie is this? So this movie, Dumplin', follows Ms. Willadine, who is a thicky thick, beautiful, sassy teen girl who is the daughter of a former beauty queen, played by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Now the relationship between this traditionally beautiful, slim, former beauty queen and her daughter who struggles with her confidence and her weight is really interesting and it's really authentic. The mom is super passive aggressive and superficial and it almost molds Willadine into this fuck your beauty standards badass. The mother-daughter animosity on top of Willadine's aunt who passed away that she was way closer to, had way more in common with, that that takes a toll. And it comes to a juicy old head when Willadine signs up for the local pageant her mom runs just to kind of show up and troll. That's what we'll call it. She's She's trolling. Side note, I am a huge Jennifer Aniston fangirl. I love her from Friends to Dumplin' to The Morning Show, which, by the way, I do plan on branching out of Netflix as well in the future. Uh, and The Morning Show will definitely be mentioned somewhere at some time because that's truly one of my all-time favorite shows. Sorry, Netflix. Anyway, back to badass Willadine, who's like fucking kicking assholes in the nuts for making fat jokes, just being the iconic queen that we need in 2020. Even though I, don't, I think this movie came out last year, but you know, it's fine. Time never really matters on Netflix. Willadine's kind of, what does she call it? A pageant protest in heels leads to a road of self-discovery like any good coming-of-age story. Obviously, the main theme of any coming-of-age story sort of is this, like, transformation. And what's so critical about this for myself personally, and I think for, like, the youngins watching, is that this is an internal transformation. This is not Willadine suddenly being happy and confident because she does a 180 and changes her body type and her outward image and style, like the only thing Willadine needed to transform was her belief in herself. Like she's already beautiful, she's graceful, she's got a heart of gold and she's got all the sass, we know that. She just needed to own it, you know, and double down on the fuck your beauty standards. This is me and I'm good enough. I feel like that's a really important message. We all wanna be Willadines singing some Dolly Parton. Scones. 
That's right. What's so class about scones? Scones are lovely. Aye, I like scones. No, these aren't any old scones, girls. These are funny scones. Aye, they do look like a crack of fairness. Funny scones. They're jug scones! I cannot even express how much I fucking love the show Dairy Girls. I've watched the two seasons all the way through at least five times now. At least five. Like, it could possibly be more. The show is centered around these foul-mouthed teenage girls and their best buds and a wee English fella who just... They just raise hell. It takes place in 1990s war-torn Ireland, which, ugh, the fashion of it all. Not the whole, like, war part. I don't, I don't know much about that part. It, it seems very traumatic, but I'm talking about, like, the fashion style. Sorry if that's, like, wicked superficial, but that, that was just, like, the first thing I noticed was the music. The soundtrack is fucking banging. And then their clothes, ugh, take me back. They're going through the normal high school shit like concerts while a polar bear is loose, burning down a fish and chip shop, mingling with other international teens from, you know, Chernobyl. The story follows all the friends, but it's based around Erin's point of view and she's ambitious and a little bit vain and uh, her facial expressions are masterful. Then there's Michelle, who I personally relate to the most. She swears like a sailor, uh, gets in over her head, a bit of a hedonist, hedonist, however, and can't say a single sentence without a heavy frosting of sarcasm. And that's also a bio of myself. That's Aaliyah right there in a nutshell. Then there's Michelle's cousin, who's kind of like this English transplant, I guess you could say, and commonly referred to as the wee English fella. Uh, And his name is James. He's sweet. He's a bit of a pushover, but always is well-meaning. Oh my God, Sister Michael, my queen. Oh, the cynical queen. Probably, okay, you know what? Fuck Michelle. I more accurately relate to Sister Michael. You'll love her. You have to watch the show just for Sister Michael. I promise you won't be disappointed. Michelle, I guess, is me being an underdeveloped Aries and Sister Michael is me being an evolved Aries who takes her mood stabilizers properly. Wow, that turned into a very self-centered moment of me being like, no, I'm Michelle. No, I'm Sister Michael. That was very cringe. I apologize. Overall, the most important reason to watch is because you will come out of it with an entirely new fucking vocabulary. You will be absolutely buzzing after this cracker of a show. That was fucking awful. I'm so sorry. This this whole segment of the Dairy Girls has just been bad. I promise the show is way better than how I explain it. It is so fucking funny. Don't look at us. We're drug addicts. <laughs> I thought you didn't want to try a medical marijuana. Well, I tried it. <laughs> The next title on my list is a movie called Other People. This is a very dark comedy. It follows David, who moves home from New York City to help his mother, who has cancer. His mom is actually played by Molly Shannon, the comedy legend. I mean, superstar, uh, wet hot American summer, fucking SNL, just top tier goddess of comedy. The premise is sad and it's dark and it it feels so raw. It's almost like you're a fly on the wall for that family. The cast is unreal. Let's give a big shout out for Maude Apatow. If you're a Euphoria fangirl like me, give 
Lexi a storyline in season two. Thank you. Lexi deserves it. She better get a storyline before Fez. Gabe from The Office is in it, who plays basically Gabe in everything he's in. But I mean, he's great at it. So why stop? Also, Bradley Whitford, who's the dad from Get Out. By far, the star of the cast is the little boy Justin in the film. Oh, he's an angel and he steals the entire film. Little Miss Sunshine walked so Justin could run. And you'll know what I mean when you see the movie. It'll it'll tug on your heartstrings. He'll be dying laughing and just like melting at the same time. The POV is David, but they still manage to figure out how to make you feel that it's a family experience. It's not just the person who has cancer. It's such, and it's true. It's truly an entire family experience and every person is in it with them, if that makes sense. But you're mainly following how it affects David, like coming from NYC back to this little podunk town and dealing with all this super toxic bullshit back home, especially a homophobic father who's just a complete fucking asshole. So not only is he dealing with his mother being sick, but he's also dealing with his dad being absolutely fucking awful and his relationship is having issues. He's trying to live up to this NYC glamorous lifestyle that everyone thinks he has, but they find a way and a really beautiful way to illuminate the truly funny moments that do creep into even the shittiest situations. It's really authentic and raw and pure. They even show like his mom who obviously we're we're meant to feel bad for like she she has cancer but they even show her being slightly toxic. Side note, don't passive aggressively tell people to hit the gym. It's just so rude. Like have some fucking decency. Walk with me, people. Walk with me down Rant Road in the middle of clown fucking village, please. I have some things to say. As a human being and also a human who lives beyond the year 1835 when the mirror was invented, I think I can safely speak for everyone that falls in either of those categories when I say we know how we look. Whether you feel like your body is disproportionate in a way that you feel like you're too slim or you're perfectly shaped or you feel like you're too big. Yeah, we see it. We know we're fully aware. Most of the time, this falls into three categories. It's like A, we see it, are aware of it, and are working on it. B, we see it, are aware of it, and are insecure about it. Or C, we see it, we're aware of it, and we don't give a shit what you think about it. None of these options require your input on another person's body, period. That is the fastest way to catch a bitch slap. Now that we're safely out of Clown Village, I can summarize my thoughts on the movie Other People. I cried, I laughed, I felt this movie very deeply, and I think it accurately reflects someone going through some real life shit and coming to terms with it in the best possible way that they can. Swing dancing is the pursuit of happiness. And I saw this and I was like, I have to do that. I have to do that. My final Netflix hidden gem was one that I thought was very fitting for 2020. Two words, swing dancing. If you are wondering how swing dancing has anything to do with this clusterfuck of a year that is the double deuce and zero, please allow me to elaborate. Alive and Kicking is the title of this documentary that follows yeah swing dancing and it gives this unexpected exciting history lesson on swing dancing and I truly don't mean any disrespect to the subject I just 
I really didn't expect it to be such a colorful, interesting history. Swing dancing started during the shit storm of the depression and it was a relief from all of the horrible shit people were facing. It was kind of the equivalent of the TikTok savage dance challenge of the depression era. Is that is that drawing you in, Gen Z? Are you feeling that in your bones? Is the song stuck in your head for the rest of the day? You're welcome. Swing dancing started in the black community in Harlem and and it became so popular that whites, of course, wanted to join in. And at the time, black people were not dancing with white people. It, it wasn't a thing. I don't mean like couple wise dancing. Like, no, no, no. They weren't in the same vicinity, like getting buck as white people. They were not even allowed in the front door of white clubs. They came in through the back of the club and danced for the white people, not with. So this was super groundbreaking at the time. Like swing dancing did that. Along with this history lesson, you follow some really lovable, passionate characters going through competitions in present day, uh, fun swing dancing on the streets of New Orleans, which I love to see. And it also shows the really personal hardships that each one of these characters are going through. And characters, I mean like the subjects, the specimens, what do we call them in a documentary? I guess we can call them characters. It was really inspiring and uplifting in these crazy times we're living through. The overall message that I personally took from it was that swing dancing was a sliver of light in the dark tunnel and that tiniest bit of light allowed people to see the end of hardships and it reminded them that there could be joy even in all of that toxic chaos. Towards the end, they showed a great quote by Vivian Green that read, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. And I think that that quote can hit everybody regardless of where it may impact your life. I think that we all can relate to that, especially in these times. I really wanna give a massive thank you for all of you who tuned in to listen to this first episode of Netflix Coffee and Questioning Humanity. It really does mean a lot to me that you took time out of your day to listen to me bitch and talk about Netflix. So I, I appreciate it more than you know. If you found something that you loved, I would really like to hear about it. I do have a little Instagram for this podcast. It's at NC. QH, like Netflix Coffee Questioning Humanity podcast. That's NCQH podcast. Let me know if you loved a movie, if you hated a show, if you love extra ice in your coffee and you think I'm the devil for saying otherwise. Just let me know. That's where I post uh, pictures of what I'm drinking and updates on future episodes. So be sure to follow along. If I may, on a more serious note, I would like to share a website for Black Lives Matter resources. Please visit P as in Peter, B as in Bob, dash resources.com. That is PB dash resources.com. On that website, you will find a guide for ideas, terminology that is circulating in the conversation about Black Lives Matter, as well as beautiful tributes for those who have had their lives stolen at the hands of white supremacy, police brutality, and injustice. There is also a link that will take you to their quote, cheat sheet 
unquote, there you will find podcasts, media, books, petitions to sign, numbers to call, emails to reach out to, protesting tips, bail and arrest resources, black trans lives education, actions and socials, and so much more. Please visit P is in Peter, B is in Bob, dash resources.com. That's PB dash resources.com. Black lives matter. They have always mattered and they will always matter. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay strong.